Welcome to the Power of the Cross with Pastor Farrell Wilson from Grenada, Mississippi. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Power of the Cross Radio. Stacy Blake with me here today, and we've got a very special program for you. Over the years, we've had like Gerald Crabb, we've had Lauren, uh, Lauren Larson. Larson. Uh, in fact, we've had Brigitte Gabriel. That was yes. one of the most fascinating. Today, we've got somebody just a little different. I'm excited about it. It was on August the 30th this year, 2019. I was going through Twitter, and I noticed a pastor I'd never heard of before. And he had a short clip calling out spineless pastors. Wow. It it struck a nerve with me. I said, I like this guy. Because in the day and age that we're living in, this is no time to be politically correct. Uh, We're facing serious issues like abortion, the LGBT movement, wicked politics. And this pastor here, Pastor Greg Locke, I just said, you know, I wonder if he would come on our program. We're just a little small program, just a few hundred listeners a day. And But I thought it would be awesome to just see if he would take time to come on the program and just, and just speak from his heart. So today we have Pastor Greg Locke, and we welcome you, sir. Thank you, my friend. I'm honored to be on the program. I really appreciate you reaching out. Well, we know that you are not unknown. This is for sure. My whole household listens to you on Facebook and uh, different (laughs) things. And lots of people we know really enjoy your boldness. You know, it's amazing that kind of organically when the Lord grew our platform a few years ago, I've just, everywhere I go, I mean, it's a super humbling experience to realize just the daunting amount of people that, you know, not only watch our live streaming services at the church, which is you know, that, that's a huge platform in and of itself, but most of them found it because, you know, my little snippets on Twitter and Instagram and, and especially Facebook. And so it's, it's just been an amazing journey. It just happened so quickly and so organically. I had been doing just little videos for our church for years. And then about, you know, maybe three or four years ago, I did one or two. I did one, uh, when the, uh, when the Supreme Court came out with the ruling on gay marriage and I did one called I'm coming out of the closet. You know, and, and it's just kind of a spin on words and it just took off and it just went bonkers viral. And from there, of course, we fought, you know, the target transgender bathroom deal and that threw us on Fox News a couple of times. And so it just kept getting bigger and bigger. And, and of course, now we're, we're just about in a, every three months, I'm in a massive fight with Planned Parenthood. And so, you know, you say you enjoy it and most people do, but there's a lot of people I'm telling you, it, it has caused more protests, more vitriol, more death threats, more hate mail. But I'll be honest with you, that kind of stuff. For a country guy like me, it fuels my fire, and it just makes me speak out all the more. So I, I, I love it. I'm having the time of my life. Well, that just tickled the fire out of me to hear you say it fuels your fire because that's what that's what it takes is is to kind of the Christians need a, a fire lit under them and make them stand yeah. up and be bold for Christ and do the things and speak out on the things that need to be spoken on. Oh, you're exactly right. You know, the video that you're referring to, the, the Twitter where y'all kind of kind of found me the first time there, they're calling out the spineless pastors. You know, what I'm finding is preachers are like, you know, I just I got to count nickels and noses. I'm afraid people are going to quit giving. I can't get political. They're going to take away my 501c3, which is an absolute lie, by the way. They, they can't do that, but people don't realize it. But nonetheless, what we're finding at the church that I pastor here in Nashville 
is that people are coming to our church because of my boldness, because they're sick and tired of cotton candy, Skittles, and unicorn preachers. They want somebody to stand up and say, look, this is what we're facing. This is what the Bible says, and just take it for what it is. And uh, we don't have to put any frills on it. We don't have to put any chills on it. Just be a voice like John the Baptist. And that's why people loved the preaching of John the Baptist. They would have hated him personally because he had the, you know, he had the personality of a rock. You you couldn't go to Starbucks and talk to John the Baptist. I mean, this guy just, he just didn't chit chat with people. But when he opened his mouth, all of Jerusalem, all of Samaria, all of the regions around about Jordan came to hear him because people are starving for a voice of boldness. Pastor Greg, one thing that I've, I've really enjoyed listening when you have these short videos is on the issue of abortion. Uh, as I yeah. read the Bible, I see the church in the USA going through things that Israel went through in the Old Testament. It was a cycle of blessings by God, and they would rise up, and then sin would enter, and then God would bring judgment to bring the nation of Israel back to where they needed to be. On the issue of abortion, would you agree with me in the the statement that I believe already the judgment of God is started to some degree because of this heinous sin of abortion? Oh, without a doubt. Yeah, I believe we are not going to be under it. I believe we are under it right this moment, and it's only going to intensify and get worse. I mean, any nation that will exterminate its own babies, it is on its way to absolute destruction. There, there's no way around that fact. What would you say to pastors that are standing behind the pulpit? Because that, that's one subject I want to touch on really hard this morning is that yeah. so many pastors are just, they're spineless. You said it right. They're absolutely just spineless to stand up against these tough issues, especially abortion. What, what would be your message to them? Well, I mean, first of all, I mean, you, you can't find any preacher in the Bible worth his salt, Old or New Testament, that was a true prophet, true preacher, true you know, apostle, disciple, that did not call out the political inconsistencies and evil of their day. I mean, you look at all of them. You look at you know Moses, you look at Elijah, you, you look at these great men of God, you look at all the minor prophets, all the major prophets. Those books were written from a political standpoint. They were calling out corruption. Jesus called out corruption. All of them did. And the problem is... Uh, people say things like this. Well, you know, pastors just need to preach the gospel and stay out of politics. Well, first of all, they're not mutually exclusive. I still preach the gospel. I mean, people don't need to, you know, assume that I don't preach the gospel just because I stand for political issues. But the, I think the real issue is that people don't see that if we don't call out political corruption, I'm going to have no platform to preach the gospel. They're going to take my rights away if I don't stand up and call these people what they are and deal with the issues as they are. And I think abortion is one of the greatest ones. I mean, this is something that is heinous. It's evil. You know, they, they get on to me all the time. You know, they're like, oh, you, you call it butchering babies. It is plainly butchering babies. There is no doubt about that. We're sacrificing children on the altar of political correctness. It's nonsense. It's wicked. And we have got to be called to repentance. And I believe the church is going to stand uh, in, in a massive situation of being rebuked by God because we could do away with it, but we choose not to because it's too politically inconvenient. You know, we don't want to lose friends. Well, I'm at a point in my life at 43 years of age, I've had enough people walk away. And as long as God is pleased and my wife is happy, I don't care who walks out because I'm going to tell you what the truth is because i got to stand before God, not before you. Yeah, and that's true. You're absolutely right. Um, let me ask you something on the other side of that aspect. I, I know that ministers like yourself are speaking out against the lawmakers and the people who are making this an easy thing for women to be able to do. But 
what, Pastor, what do you say to the women who may be coming to your church that have been through this? And, and there are so many that go, oh, well, you had this happen in your life. You've, you've had an abortion. Well, my God, you, we're, you're shunned. You're done. We can't have you here. What do you say to those women? I think that's an equal shame because I think the church ought to accept anybody, no matter what foolish choices they've made in their past. You know, yeah, we know abortion's wrong, it's evil, and we know it's a sin, but God forgives. You know, I, I tell folks, God forgives sin. He just doesn't believe consequences. And ladies need to understand they're going to struggle with some shame and some guilt for a long time. But the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit uses conviction to change us. The enemy uses shame and guilt. God will never shame you for your past. He will never guilt you for your past. He will only convict you about areas to help you move forward in righteousness. And so churches that would shun a lady that have already had an abortion, I mean, I, I think that's ridiculous. I, I think that's evil. I think we ought to let ladies know, look, you made a mistake, and we love you, and we're going to help you through this, going to counsel you through this. But now let them understand that the pain of what they've experienced can now be used as a platform to help other ladies not make such a, you know, a foolish choice and such a hurtful choice. And so I, I think some ladies that have tragically gone through this experience, they've become mighty soldiers to fight for the rights of these babies' lives because they know the destruction of walking through an abortion. So, yeah, I think some churches would be, you know, very foolish to shun them. Our church would, you know, we have ladies in our church that I know full well that I've counseled through situations where they've walked through an abortion. You know, my mom almost had an abortion. You know, I've told that story many, many times. The doctor of all things, you know, in 1976, talked my mom off of an abortion table, away from an abortion clinic. And uh, that was when it was not even big news, you know, 43 years ago. And yet, you know, my, my dad was in prison and he was on drugs. And I tell people I turned out okay for an aborted crack baby. You know, <laughs> I'm glad my mom chose life. You know? <laughs> Amen, Pastor. We were sitting here talking about the questions that we wanted to ask you. And I had one, and I guess it's because I'm a girl. Mm -hmm. I just want to know mm -hmm. these things. I'm a wife and a mother and a grandmother. Yeah, yeah. You know, I just want to know the impact that your wife and kids have on your ministry because you're not in it alone. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. It, it's an unbelievable impact. Uh, I'll work kind of backwards here. From my kids' standpoint, to them, you know, they're all over the place. They're all in different things. They're from 16 to 7. The two bookends are girls. Uh, tragically enough, the, the thing that is the hardest on our family are the haters because they know they can't get to me, so they try to go around me and get to my family. And they, they stalk my kids' social media stuff, and they post videos and memes. And they're just really trashy. Uh, to my kids, especially to my wife. But my kids are troopers. You know, they're like, oh, Dad, you need to wear a mask. Because, I mean, everywhere we go, I mean, I can't go to a restaurant. I can't go to a convenience store without somebody recognizing me, either good or bad. Right. <laughs> and uh, and so that that part of it is fun for them, kind of the celebrity status of it. You know, you, you just can't have, you know, millions and millions and millions of views every single week on social media and, you know, somebody not recognize you for good or for bad. And so to them, it's almost like a game now. But they like it. You know, they support me. My wife is a trooper. She's she's a lot like me uh, in, in a lot of ways. And so stuff just kind of rolls off her back. It doesn't bother her. You know, we were, we took our family, as a matter of fact, to the beach, uh, I don't know, maybe a month and a half ago. And my wife and I were just kind of walking and praying. And her name's Ty. And I said, Ty, I, I want to ask you an honest question. I said, you know, man, we're, we're getting much more well-known. And I'm doing shows like this every day. And I said, you know, we're getting a lot of hate. And, you know, we, we've had people leave, leave our church over because yeah. they they can't handle the heat. And, you know, now we're in a, in a season where, you know, I just got back from the White House and I just spoke at a big Trump rally down in Miami. And so things are kind of intensifying. And I said, honey, you need to be honest with me. 
do I need to dial it back? Am, am I am I am I making you and the kids, you know, in the church uncomfortable? And she said, "Honey, we we are living in the last of the last days." And she said, "We have nothing left to lose." And we know what we have to do and we know what we have to say. And she said, I'm just going to hold your hand and I'm just going to, you know, walk with you through this. Doesn't matter how controversial it gets. It doesn't matter what they say. Doesn't matter the lies that the media tells. And so she said, as far as I'm concerned, she said, just jump in and go and be as bold as you want to be and you'll never get any complaints from me. Well, that is incredible. I will be praying for her as well as your kids and you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So sometimes the, you know, the critics can be super vicious. Because they know it gets to me when they get to my family, but we've almost developed a you know a thick skin to it at this point. Right. Well, Pastor Greg, I'm going to shift gears on you here, and I want to bring up another subject. I want to discuss this a little bit. Is Islam in the nation of America? Uh, Mm -hmm. My eyes were open to this when my son went into the military uh, several years back, and me and my wife traveled to the uh, MEPS, the Military and Processing Center in Memphis, Tennessee. As we were at the hotel, I noticed across the road from the hotel that there was an Islamic training center in Memphis, Tennessee, yeah. and it, it just shocked me. And I, my eyes were open to how close to home that Islam is getting around, especially here in the South, things we thought we would never see. Uh, mm-hmm. We interviewed Brigitte Gabriel uh, a few months back and. She got in depth with us. She's a, a expert on uh, terrorism, and she explained mm-hmm. how the money yeah, started back in the eighties and nineties, coming from Saudi Arabia, the, into our educational system, into the media, and how now that those kids that were indoctrinated to Islam way back in the eighties and nineties are now taking over the roles as politicians, and in they're in the media, CNN, uh, ABC, NBC. Where do you see the United States with Islam? Now, I, I'd just like to hear your thoughts and opinions on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think right now the only saving grace we have through all of that is is Donald Trump because he's not really taking a lot of flack from that. But I'm telling you, Islam, if we're not careful, we're one election away from it taking over the entirety of this nation. It is one of the what I call three most you know, demonic forces that we're fighting against. If the church had three major enemies right now in the world, it would be Planned Parenthood, the LGBTQ, and Islam. There is no doubt about it. It's evil. Uh, it is not a religion of peace. There may be some people within it that are seeking peace. And I tell people, look, I don't preach against individuals. I preach against ideologies. I have nothing, you know, against an individual Muslim because I want to reach them with the gospel. I want to love them to Christ. But I have a whole lot wrong and really nothing right with the idea of the nation of Islam because it is a takeover uh, influence. And and I'm telling you, our schools are being taught Islam left and right. You know, it wasn't but about two or three, two and a half, three years ago, I did a video outside one of our middle schools uh, because they, they were teaching religion. And it was about 15 pages in this book about Islam. And they had to make mats and bow towards Mecca. And then they had a little bitty paragraph on Christianity. Well, I pitched a fit about it. You know, and the, and the school board went crazy. The next morning I woke up to the news and the school board was suing the church and they were saying I was a liar, but I was the one that was proven right, <laughs> you know. And then, you know, so we, we pushed it as far as we possibly could. It wasn't, but, you know, a few days later, you know, the Tennesseans were like, oh, the hillbilly preacher was right and the school was teaching Islam. It's an indoctrination. And I'm telling you, it is, it is anti-Jesus. <laughs> it is anti-Bible. 
and people can call it a peace field religion all they want to, but I'm telling you, if we're not careful, it will take over the nation. Look at Dearborn, Michigan. You know, look at the UK. Look at what's happening in Europe. They've lost everything to Islam because Islam is a poison. It will come in and it will affect everybody. And here's how they do it. They get people in Congress like Ilhan Omar to get people's sympathies all stirred up. And once people's sympathies are stirred up, Islam preys on that. And they are able to infiltrate so many other people because they pretend like they're an oppressed nation of people when the reality is they are the oppressors and they would chop our heads off tomorrow. They hate Israel. They hate America. And those two reasons alone are enough for me to stand against them. I know that's a long way around the barn to answer that, but yeah, I'm against it. No, no, <laughs> yeah, tell there you. you go. <laughs> yeah. we, we are, we're standing right there with you, right beside well, you, standing I'm, against that. I'm going to go a step uh, further than you. I don't have the platform you do, but I'm just probably as controversial <laughs> as you are within the church. Sure. Uh, I would go a step further. Now, I'm not saying you're making the statement. This is coming from me, Farrell Wilson, but I, I honestly believe as I read the Bible and what I've seen that Islam is a religion fueled by demonic spirits. And I heard a minister the other day say this, and I, I want to see if you agree with this statement, that if we see people in in the... The, our Congress halls now that are Muslim, they went so far as to let them even wear the hijab, I believe that's what it's yeah. called, inside of our halls of Congress. I believe that is a demonic spirit settling within our our, our government. Would you agree with that? Oh, I definitely believe it's a demonic influence that people are getting comfortable with, and that's exactly what the enemy wants. Because like I said, now all of a sudden if you say something against them, they're like, oh my goodness, these poor little oppressed people you know, no, they're not poor little oppressed people. They're 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 a Trojan horse, if you will, for the absolute destruction and demise of everything that this nation stands for. And so, yeah, I would fully agree with you. There, there's no doubt about it. It's it's everywhere that we look. It's everywhere that we go. It's not going to get any better. And I'm convinced. I told our people when I preach verse by verse through the Book of Revelation, I'm like, look. I'm convinced that this one world religion, there was a time, you know, I know it's a city set on seven hills, and I know it's going to be, you know, kind of a, a Vatican-pushed type of deal, you know, with Catholicism being such a huge, huge influence. But I'm convinced now you have a pope that's looking at these imams and looking at, you know, religion of Islam, and they're like, oh, you know, this is a peaceful religion. Let's join Catholicism and evangelical Christianity and Islam all together. I am fully convinced that Islam is going to play a massive role in the one world religion in the end days, because as far as I can see, there's only one group of people in the world that are comfortable with cutting people's heads off, <laughs> and that's Islam. Ain't nobody else butchering people for their faith, but Islam is, because that's that right. is their faith. It is a barbaric religion. That is exactly right. It's it's barbaric, and it's unacceptable, and it's time for Christians to come together and pray and and become bold in the Lord. A lot of people these days are just scared to say anything, and yeah. I, I think sometimes boldness is taken as arrogance, and we have to recognize the difference because there are some people who are arrogant and they couldn't make anything happen if they tried. But when you have a boldness that's given to you from the Holy Spirit, there's a difference in that. This morning I was thinking over questions that I wanted to ask and, and, you know, after viewing so many of your videos and how you do take a stand on so many things, there's also a lot of love behind what you do and what you say. But what I wanted to ask was the boldness 
that you use to approach these issues and attack these issues that need to be attacked, did that boldness come easy or did you sit back and go, now, God, hold on just a minute. Now, I don't know if I want to do that. Now, hold on. You know, did you argue <laughs> with God a little bit? Did you have a little problem at first or, you know, how, sure. how did that just you know well up in you? Uh, really, it, it was really a lot, just kind of Holy Spirit organic. You know, the book of Acts says when they were filled with the Holy Ghost, they spoke the word with boldness, you know. And so for me, it's always been very natural. Uh, I, I was on Fox News and the Neil Cavuto show a while back, and I told him, I said, look, sometimes I open my mouth and my grandfather walks out. Because I'm very old school <laughs> and conservative and, you know, the way that I think and rock along with things. And so for me, it was easy. The difficult part was getting my staff to understand, and, and even my wife to some degree, but she's with me all the time and, you know, sleeps in the same bed with me at night, so she understands how my mind works, but to get my staff a little bit more comfortable because, you know, this this is a great phone call, but they'll, we'll get a hundred of them today that, that are far from great. Right. I mean, they'll be dropping the F-bombs and cussing our secretaries I'm and threatening sure. to blow the building up. I mean, it's just a continuous, continuous barrage of hate mail and, you know, people sending us sex toys in the mail, and I mean, just... Pictures and pornography and threatening to protest my crusades. And I mean, it's just, it's one thing after another. But again, to me, I have to be careful because my staff has to rein me in because that kind of stuff just makes me want to get up in front of a camera and be like, let me tell y'all something. Just rip everybody's face off. That's just kind of the way that I am. Again, there could be, there's a loving way that I can do it. You know, I tell our folks, don't be a jerk for Jesus. You know, you can be demonstrative without being a jerk about it. You can be bold without being belligerent. And so I guess my biggest critique that I get is every day, especially on Twitter, Twitter is kind of small potatoes compared to our Facebook platform, but Twitter is more vicious. There's way more viciousness on Twitter. And everybody's like, why are you so angry? Why are you so angry? They ask me that every day. And I tell people, look, don't mistake passion for anger. Okay, I'm angry at sin. My Bible tells me to be angry and sin not. Okay, Jesus was pretty ticked off when he made a whip and ran them crazy religious people up out of the temple. Mm -hmm. And so there's things to be angry about. I'm just passionate, and sometimes that passion can come out and look to critical people like anger. Mm -hmm. And the reason to them it looks like anger is because they're too cowardly to stand up against the issues that they know they ought to be standing up against, and so it makes them look bad, and it sheds a poor light on them. And so they're like, oh, this guy's just angry. He's just a false prophet. And I'm like, well, whatever. You can say what you want to. But uh, at the end of the day, I think there's a few things to be angry about, and so my passion just kind of oozes out of me sometimes and I can't help myself. That makes sense. <laughs> it does. And we appreciate that oozing passion. We do. <laughs> you know, sometimes I, I still try to balance it out with doing, you know, devotional videos, you know, and kind of loving things, you know, talk about my, my struggle that I had some time ago with depression and anxiety. So I still try to balance out even the political, you know, aspect of it. And the interesting thing is once people kind of transition over to our services, where we live stream, then I'm like, oh, okay, this guy is a real pastor. He's not just, you know, screaming into a camera for three minutes. He's preaching full-blown, you know, 40 and 45-minute, you know, word-by-word expositional sermons every single week. And so it, it really grows our online presence. But there's kind of two different personas to, to Greg Locke, right? I mean, people are like, oh, man, this guy's a jerk. But if they would ever talk to me on the phone like this, if they would ever sit down with me over coffee, they would realize, you know, I really do love broken people. And I really do love pe even, you know, people in the LGBT world. They're like, oh, my goodness, he hates all gay people. I'm like, well, why don't you sit down with me and have a conversation? Let me talk to you about the love of Christ and what God's done in my life. It's one thing to stand in front of a camera or get on you know, a news or a podcast and be like, look, I'm against it. It's evil. It's wicked. It's abomination. It's another thing when you can look me in the eyes and I can explain to you the context of why I believe that. 
and why I still love you. Because acceptance and approval, those are two very different things. Right. I can accept you the way you are. That doesn't mean I have to approve of your lifestyle. But, you know, as my grandfather used to say, it's a wicked generation that believes that disagreement is automatically bigotry. Right. And that's where we are. You can't disagree with anybody without being called a racist, Islamophobic, xenophobic, homophobic, whatever. And so We're all phobics. it just comes with the territory. That's true. You're exactly right. And that's such a good answer to the question that I asked. It's perfect. Actually, Pastor Farrell has a question for you. This is my final question toward you, or I'm, and I'm asking yeah. for your thoughts and once again and opinions on this. And The reason I started listening to you is your statement towards pastors. And I have mm-hmm. a number of pastors that listen to our, you want to call it a podcast, we broadcast over yep. the internet radio, we stream out to many different places across the world. And I have pastors listening. And I want to give you an opportunity. What would you say to these pastors, knowing we're in the last days, knowing that we are about to see the return of Christ, what would be your message to those pastors? It would be that we should not bow to the golden statue of political correctness because we are living in days where, I mean, we're like the watchman on the wall in Ezekiel 33. If we warn them and they don't listen, well, the blood's on their hands. But if they're not listening because we're not warning, well, then I believe at the judgment seat, the blood is going to be on our hands. And that's why Jeremiah talks about the unfaithful shepherds, the unfaithful pastors. And even Paul played off that, you know, in Acts chapter number 20. He's like, none of these things move me, neither kind of life dear to myself, that I may finish my course with joy. And he's like, look, you have to preach the whole counsel of God. And he did it for three years, he said, with tears. And men of God have got to stand up and stand out. We, we, we can only make a difference with the voice God has given us. I have very few talents. I have no basketball ability. I'm not good at sports. You know, I, I can ride a mountain bike across the country. But, I mean, other than that, I mean, I, I have no real legitimate talents. But I have a voice. And it's a voice that God is using, and I have a calling from God. I'm going to walk in that anointing and that ability and that equipping that God's given me. And all preachers have that. And people are like, well, you know, I just don't have a platform. It doesn't make any difference. You have the platform God gave you. Whether you preach to three people or three million people, it doesn't make any difference. Because, you know, if if a person won't be faithful with the little platform that they have now, God's not going to entrust them with a bigger platform later. And, you know, I told our church this past week, and I have preachers call me all the time. You know, how can I get a platform that big? How, how can I have millions of followers on Facebook? And I'm like, look, you have to ask yourself, who do you want it for? If you want it for yourself, God's not going to give it to you because God's not going to share his glory with anybody. He's going to give it to somebody that's going to deflect the glory and deflect the honor and say, Lord, you know, to God be the glory, great things he has done. So everybody wants a platform, but the problem is everybody has a voice. They just have to use it. And these men and these women of God and people that are called to ministry, we have got to be bold in these last days. I believe it is a spiritual gift. We are in the midst of the last of the last days. This know also in the last days, perilous, dangerous times are here. They're here. And I think Christians need to be bold because at this point, our boldness is going to separate us from the politically correct nonsense, this watered-down, foolish, evangelical stuff that's happening all over America, it's going to so separate us that I'm convinced the remnant, <laughs> the remnant's rising up, mm-hmm. and they're looking for people that'll just be bold, and that'll just get out there and say it, and just call this nation to repentance. Pastor Greg, before we wrap this up, I want to give you just a, a minute here. If you have anything that you want to plug, you have any websites or books, if, books anything, just feel free. 
Sure. Well, if they want to know more about our church, they can just go to Global Vision BC, like Bible Church, globalvisionbc.com, and they can learn all kind of stuff about our staff and our doctrine, and our live stream is there. The, the quickest and the easiest way to find me is just Pastor Greg Locke, L-O-C-K-E, on Facebook, and there'll be a blue check mark that comes up. And then I also have a, another, matter of fact, this week our, our television program launches. It's called On Point with Pastor Greg Locke, and it's a, it's a show page on Facebook. And then, of course, the way you found me on Twitter. Twitter and Instagram are both the same. They're just at Pastor Lock, all one word. And people can find us all over the place. There's, there's somebody sharing one of them videos. Good, bad, or indifferent, I guarantee you right now. <laughs> right. You're exactly right. All of the information you've given us today and your stand on things has been such a blessing for us to sure. be able to sit with you and enjoy talking with you and, and seeing how you stand and also seeing the love behind the sure. reason you stand. So I had just something on my heart a moment ago. And if it's okay with my pastor, we don't normally do this, but as we wrap our show up this morning, I would love to ask you to just pray. Pray for our listeners, pray oh, yeah. for our churches, our pastors, and, and the people of this nation. And if you don't mind closing us, I don't closing mind our program in prayer. I would love to. Father, we come to you right now in Jesus' name. And Lord, we thank you for the privilege of prayer. You said to call and you would answer. And the one thing you've promised to answer is the cries of your children. And, Lord, we are living in days when we have got to cry out to you. Such wickedness and depravity everywhere. It can be very depressing. I know for the church and even for pastors, for men of God, it can be super discouraging. But, Father, these are exciting days. We're watching the Bible pop off the page and come to life. And we thank you for that. We thank you that your word is more up to date than the newspaper headlines that are roll off the press tomorrow morning. It is real and it is living. Help us to stand on it. Help the pastors and the ministers that hear this program to just get an extra dose of boldness in their heart. Lord, I think of those disciples on the road to Emmaus. Did not our hearts burn within us when he spake the word unto us? And so, Lord, I, I pray that the word would burn us. Give us some holy heartburn for you, Lord. Bless this broadcast. I pray that it would increase. I pray that it would go from hundreds of listeners a day to thousands of listeners today, Lord, and you would just increase the platform and you would bless them in a mighty way. Everybody that they minister to, everyone that's listening would bless our ministry. Thank you for this connection. Lord, I don't believe this will be the last time we speak. I believe you you built this bridge for a reason. And Lord, the, the body of Christ, we have got to come together so we can make a difference in these last days. So bless this broadcast. Bless these folks in a marvelous way. Provide their every need. We love you. And we thank you that we can say that because you first loved us. In Jesus' name, amen. We pray this message has been a blessing to you. You can join us on the web at www.grenadachurch.com. Search us out on Facebook at Lighthouse COG or Twitter. Our username is Grenada Church. You can email us at info at grenadachurch.com. May God bless you and have a great day.